today's episode of The Current Podcast, we have recorded this only once. It's a one-take pod. We're like the best (laughs) directors out there. We're like La La Land of podcasts. It's a one-take podcast. Uh, Sure. That's Birdman, Uh, but okay. No, okay. La La Land, the dance sequence in the beginning is all one take. I know. I'm a film expert. I saw it in theaters. Yeah, but Birdman is a whole one-take movie. You should have said Birdman. Okay. When you say I one didn't... take, Tommy, do you mean they only performed it once? Uh, yeah. M- and no must edits be the between shots. Yeah. Tommy, I guess I wonder, Anyways, was it like a one shot? We are the current podcast. Well, they both are. And this is a podcast that we are on. It is the current podcast that we are on. My name is Linnea. And with me, I have Melanie. Hello. Strickland, you can beat Do that out if we're if we're redacting our names. In this. And Tommy Beep. Yeah. Tommy Beep Burnin. How are you guys today? Beep. I feel like a silly banana, Linnea. I'll balance that out, because I don't. Tommy's sad today. Great. Um you'll also <laughs> balance out the sound in this because you are our editor. I don't think that we've mentioned that our editor is also doubling as uh, me and Melanie's personal hype man. Yippee. Uh, Melanie, what's your topic for this week? My topic is Meow Wolf. So uh, Meow Wolf is an artistic group that started in 2016. They created a uh, artistic experience called the House of Eternal Return, in which you enter through what seems to be a suburban home of just a regular ass family and things very quickly go awry. Think of the layout of an art museum, but it's a house and you can touch everything. And the intention is that you touch everything. Anything you cannot touch is clearly labeled. uh, But for the most part, you can touch and are expected to touch everything that was their big thing that was their big deal is that meow wolf wanted to create immersive experiences where you could actually touch the art and interact with it does this seem sort of clear so far i opened the website should i have done that yeah yeah that's fine it looks cool um so yeah Yeah, so uh it, it it basically takes a suburban home and as you walk through it you discover that something is very strange uh they have fallen through a rift in time and space and dimension and things. And the result is basically like the way acid trips are portrayed in films. It is psychedelic. It is uh, very natural. Uh, everything is round, flowers, plants in a refrigerator. Uh, there are instruments that you can play. Um, they play a lot with the idea of synesthesia. So things that are tactile that you can feel end up with more visual effect. Uh, things that are visual end up with an auditory effect. So uh, maybe there's lasers and you touch the lasers and certain noises happen. And so there's that effect. It creates a synesthesia effect where your your senses are all mixed up and you're not sure what causes what. And it's a really great way to cultivate a psychedelic effect in your brain. Cool. Uh, it's cool art. It's really, really cool art. Um, the initial project in 2016, the one that really boosted them was funded by none other than George R.R. R. Martin. Whoa. Uh, which doesn't 
honestly surprised me. That surprised me a lot, just looking at, like, the visual aesthetic of all this, like, neon-colored kind of mm-hmm. pop art. Right, like, and, and but it has that, George R. R. Martin has this vibe of, like, I was in fantasy, but I didn't feel like I fit into fantasy. Hmm. And they were artists who didn't feel like they fit into the art community in Santa Fe. Okay. And so that kind of partnership, I guess, but I that can't be all of it. Something in my brain hasn't made the connection yet. Do they kill people? Because I know he's into that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, they don't. Oh, uh, oh, it's there's a mystery aspect to it. So you find out uh, there's sort of a mystery around the house that you can you can explore and discover. If you go and looking for a linear experience, you fucked up already. You've just started with a fuck up on your hands. Um, but there is a mystery behind the house that you can explore and discover and learn about, and you can kind of unravel a story if you really put your little wow. stupid audience mind to it. So, is it it's rep? Is it supposed to be replicating a psych like a psychedelic it's, trip? No, it. it they like, don't. Do people that go there feel like they're on drugs. No, I. That's the hype of it. Is that it? It, it yeah, is this. I think that's the pitch. It is genuinely an amazing experience it's open to families um i mean kids go i can imagine it'd be an incredible experience for a young child it would it would be better for them than it could ever be for us yeah and if you threw a five-year-old in there holy shit they (laughs) they come out they come out a a fucking what do you call those kids uh six they come out six (laughs) they come out a year (laughs) fucking older they come out with a full beard and they're six ass year olds um so what happened with this is that after this 2016 thing um they just blew the fuck up they got so much money from this they then came out with a documentary which a better podcast host would have watched but that's not what we do here do you know the name Um, of it at least a better podcast host doesn't exist it is literally called meow wolf the origin story cool or something like that and I don't know where you can watch it. Okay. It sounds like you're saying Meowth, but with a list. <laughs> meowth. Like the Pokemon. Yeah, like the Pokemon. Yeah. Uh, meowth. Meowth. It's Meow Wolf. The way they came up with their name is they drew random words out of a hat because they're just that quirky. Oh, yeah. Um, it's uh, available on iTunes, looks like. Oh, super. Okay. So you have to pay for it. Sorry, guys. Um, Sorry, Rebecca. The thing that is really interesting to me is that they, so they did this 2016 project and it was amazing and it meant a lot. Uh, it changed the perspective that people had on the art world. It, it took this weird art and it made it accessible to regular people because it has a spectacle aspect to it that a regular Joe would kind of want to experience. There's a hype aspect to it. So they then released that they were going to come out with a building in denver which is the sister city to santa fe which is something i've never heard and that was gonna be their thing uh that's gonna happen uh they have delayed starting for that because of corona what i really want to talk about is the fact that they started as this cute little collective this artistic collective they made this big thing they got funded by a sort of big guy but not that big like he's not that it's not like johnny depp funded them elon you, musk. yeah it's not like elon musk funded this it, it's george r. r martin like why did he give them money so they got all this money. They have all this money. They have tons and tons of money now. They started this project in Denver that still feels very nice, very niche. It's a sister city to Santa Fe. That feels very good. They've decided to open Omega Mart in Las Vegas. 
it's different. It's a completely different experience and it will be a different environment, but uh, it starts out in a grocery store. So the grocery store has some quirky things and the idea is that these items in this grocery store can fulfill a desires you never knew you had. And then it just becomes this interdimensional rift sort of deal again. You can go through different rooms. Um, the entire construction is completely different to the beginning. The first one, the house, because uh, they did it knowing that coronavirus was kind of happening. And so you can't touch shit. That's a starter. Um, you do just have to experience it visually and auditorial, mm. audit, uh, hourly. Um, that kind of sucks since it sounds like they put so much effort into that part of it. I know. And the part that like means something to him is that like it's an interactive art exhibit that you can really interact with and like get your teeth into in like a real way. And to, yeah, it definitely lowers yeah. the interactivity. To just like take the part that they were so attached to out of it. Because I mean, the difference between them and like other interactive art is that other interactive art is super limited. It's in the Seattle Art Museum where like you're allowed to do like one specific thing to an art piece and you still have to be like two feet away from the piece. Like you still have to be like two feet away from the art piece. Um, and they were like, fuck that. No rope, no velvet rope in front of it. We're touching everything. It's meant to be touched. It's meant to be loved. It's meant to be used. Um, that's completely gone in Omega Mart, uh, which is cool because they've chosen a good thing for it. Grocery stores, you don't necessarily touch everything. Does that make sense? It's not as lived in as a home. So it feels like it kind of mm -hmm. lends itself to that. There will be dances. There will be interpretive. Well, grocery stores, you, you touch the things that you're going to buy. I think it's. It's kind of cool. It's kind of part of the fantasy of going into it and being like, oh, it's a grocery store, but I can just touch whatever I want. I mean, there's so yeah, much right. stuff around you that you totally wouldn't normally because of norms or whatever. Yeah. And like mm -hmm. assuming assuming that Germs. you would be able to touch yeah. it, like the idea of having a grocery store that is fully stocked with individual items, like an entire shelf of oranges that have like a face on the other side, but it's an entire shelf of oranges like that. That would be so yeah. cool and so special. Um, and boxes of cereal that you could fucking open and there's cereal in them and it's like fucked up cereal. <laughs> it would be so cool. Um, yeah. They really like to play with eye motifs because every fucking artist does. It's like the first thing you learn how to draw and we're all obsessed with it and I'm sorry. The other aspect that I kind of discovered around this is that Omega Mart is part of a larger conglomerate called Area 15, which is a entertainment uh like building it's like a strip mall of las vegas bullshit there's like a bowling alley an axe throwing place a bar a grill it's just like las vegas shit yeah. um and it's all connected to this and it's got some vague connection to omega mart but it's not omega mart and so it feels like it i mean it feels like they're selling out that's it it's as simple as that um, hmm. If you guys want to watch the video, area is air, you're saying Area 15 is commercial. Yeah, and it it, it have you guys ever been to Las well, Vegas? No, but no. the fact that it's like a Mart based installation connected to a strip mall on the or a mall on the Las Vegas Strip, then I, which I is basically see, yeah, and it's I can see how you could get that impression, but it still looks pretty weird and cool to me. It is yeah, and it is still a super cool thing. Um, the strip has a lot of just like experiences that you could have, like in any given large city, you could find like axe throwing maybe, or you could possibly find like uh, a cool bar with light up cups. 
but <laughs> Las Vegas was Rainforest like Cafe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Las Vegas is like let's take all of it and put it in one place so that you only have to go to one location that is devoid of culture. Uh, that, <laughs> well, we've taken the culture out of and we've put all these bullshit things in. It's full of appropriated cultures. It really is, and and appropriative of like the native land surrounding it, and then also everywhere else. They have literal like monuments from other countries just chat in there uh it is like dirty disneyland it is mm. the worst place i've ever been the food was pretty good actually the food was pretty good so eh. and it was fun you should go once ever and just stay for like a second and then get the fuck out um Area 15 is like, take everything from the strip and then put it in a secondary place. It is like, take a little, take all the bits of the strip and put them in a place outside of the strip and just put them in a little place. Plus Omega Mart. That's what it is. And that is... Yeah. That's, I mean, that's kind of it. So my limited experience with quote unquote experiences like this is uh, I worked in a haunted house once for like two months and uh yeah that was that was fun but like i i never knew that there were multiple of these i mean i've heard of other like interactive like haunted house experiences where you can choose right. to go in one room or a different room and you can get like branching paths but it's cool to see something like this where it's uh not just limited to that conceit it's like yeah. something you could go to any day of the year pretty much uh and it's and, all ages and it, they say that mm -hmm. yeah when you get when you get your ticket it's like 15 bucks 20 nice. bucks um yeah. yeah it's super affordable and it's a day pass and the reason it is a day pass is because um it can take you upwards of two hours to even get a full rounded experience and when yeah. i say full rounded you have not seen everything you've just gotten enough to be like i've seen it does yeah, that make sense that's a pretty good deal yeah um it's a yeah it's a huge it is a really well-rounded experience and they have rotating artists who come in and do dancing or um there will be interactive moments uh the one that they cited was like a suspicious looking lab coat guy who will like ask you questions about stuff um which sounds horrifying and i hate that but <laughs> i can imagine that for someone who would like something like that that would be really cool and immersive and fun um it reminds me the first the first pictures of their first installation reminds yeah. me of these bars the bars called zimpla i just Z looked it I'm up sorry, what i forgot is what the name is but i went to it when i was in hungary and it was made in the 2000s by these people who wanted to set up a bar that looks like a ruin so it's like every single room looks like has like different um styles and it's two stories so cool. and it it's like an experience it's yeah. like an immersive experience an art experience and it's a very communal experience because everybody there like it's just packed and that's so cool. obviously during corona yeah. like or after corona this might never happen but um it's cool that like those places exist where it's kind of like an art collective yeah. idea of destination but it's not commercial like i think that both like these places, it's really cool to have a like art for the sake of art uh, experience for the sake of experience. But the end game isn't like, you know, buy our yeah cartoon. They aren't, they aren't selling merch exactly. 
even if they are, that doesn't seem like the intent. Yeah, it's an yeah. experience. Yeah, there is a gift. I mean, there's a gift shop, but uh, there's okay. going to be a gift shop. Uh, yeah. People who are tourists uh, do like do like to do that. They Very like to true. buy that stuff. Um, so there, that's available. But but uh, it's not sacrificing I, I think, the integrity of the the right. thing. It's the experience part of, itself, and, and I think that it's the gift shop is part of the way they described it is more part of Area Fifteen rather than it is a part of Omega Mart. If that makes sense. Mm, gotcha. I mean, looks cool. I hope they don't go bankrupt during COVID. I'd be very surprised if I they don't. I don't think they will. Yeah, they I don't know how that sensory thing will ever be good with touching ever again. They are opening in. They are opening on the 18th, and they are prepped to open with 25% capacity. And so it sounds like they're prepared. Uh, it has a very like uh, Dead Mouse Grillix vibe to it for some reason. I don't know what. I think it's the neon. But just like these people who are like, I have nothing, but like they have everything. They have tons and tons and tons of money. Like Moby pretending that he's just like this humble guy, but he just like fucking isn't. He has more money than God. Um, that kind of mentality feels like it is sort of in there. They're still making honest art. Moby famously an, uh, an abuser. Fucking shit. You bring shit, one up every podcast. Me? No, no. <laughs> Moby, <Again>? no. <gasps> <laughs> Holy shit. Guys, I'm just, I just don't want to keep it clean. I just don't want to keep the episode clean. I just want <laughs> to talk about abuse. I'm just trying God. to remember the Moby song from the end of Born. Uh, nope. I'm thinking of holes. <laughs> Separate ways. topic and make it interesting okay. uh so what did you guys have playlists did you guys did you guys make yeah. those play did you make <laughs> yeah, those playlists when we were when we were yeah. growing up because i looking Finish back on my spotify i looked at it i was just um gonna make like a compiled workout playlist of a lot of stuff that i've worked out to and i had i had some playlist names some classic playlist names uh such as Sex. I want to know songs about places. Escapism. Morning. What's on your sex playlist? Spring. May. Uh, sex playlist. <laughs> what you need from the weekend? Blood Buzz right, Ohio listen. by the National. Five oh five by Arctic Monkeys. Fitz Pleasure by Art J. She's Hollywood right. Forever Cemetery Sings by Father John this Misty. Is... Practice by J- Drake. Pyramids by Frank Ocean, and it just keeps going. Yep. Oh, that's some like 2014 and redacted. I did. Oh wow, it worked. Thought I was very wow. Cool. Nice. nice job, Lynn. I'm so glad you uh, did that. You got to bleep that all out because <laughs> I your don't mom have sex. To this podcast, <laughs> does she? Uh, did you? But. Were you guys about the podcast? Or <laughs> were you guys about the yeah, playlist? I had, I had playlists. I had, um, I had, uh, yeah, I had playlists. I still do in college. Were you I like a, a playlist listener too, rather than yes, albums? I had a, I Same. had a fall, winter, summer playlist. Spring is not a season to me. 
because I don't celebrate Easter probably. But um, there, I had a summer playlist that was just like this kind of Lana Del Rey, but she's a theater kid kind of vibes. Um, very sad. I mean, each each playlist was sadder than the one before, except for fall, which was all Kishibashi, which has like an ennui to it, but it's not sad. Mm-hmm. Did you rotate every fall you would listen to that fall playlist? Yeah, I w- well, so I would basically save all those songs that I found on my like Spotify like discovery playlist mm-hmm. and songs that I was listening to a lot, and then I would just put them all in it. And then at the beginning of that season, I would listen to it, and I'd kind of go back to it in the middle of the season. Yeah. My winter playlist is all Hamilton, and I can't listen to that playlist anymore. Yeah, I would it, do every new Hamilton. spring, I would make a new spring playlist. I'd be like, spring 19, spring 20. But I will Wait, say that that's so spring? funny that I don't have spring and you only have spring. <laughs> no, I spring, winter, fall, summer. Oh, you have those, all of those okay, are the seasons season. of the year. Yeah. So I, okay. my experience is, I think that I was similar to Melanie, where I was in this constant state of always, constantly finding new songs, always, constantly, you know, yeah. finding new stuff. And I, I wonder because now I'm definitely the person that's like, oh, I, ha- I listen to albums. I listen to full albums. If I really like a song, I'll listen to that song like over and over again, but I'm like a totally an only album person. I don't really listen to playlists, but I was so totally playlist before. And I think that that I, I found so much music. And I think it was because I was just picking out individual songs. Yeah. What is your experience with listening to music? Tommy, do you listen? I, yeah, good question. No, I, uh, so I, <laughs> I had a thing, uh, I'm reluctant to admit, where in Is high a sex school playlist no it wasn't that oh. it was worse never mind uh in high school every year of school i <gasps> like had a playlist for, for each year? year where oh my god well freshman year sophomore year junior year senior year where yeah yeah, yeah. then i kind of dropped off senior year but i would That's like fine. uh it was like a playlist diary where it's like the soundtrack <laughs> to each year. Like, okay, what happened this week? I'm going <laughs> to add a few songs yeah. that remind yeah. me. But here's the thing. I look at it now and I don't understand what the <laughs> fuck any of it. There's like no uh, chronology to it that I can uh, comprehend. If you listen to them like in the whole, I think they would each have a different vibe. They, sure, probably. Like, I mean, there were certain things like that I would represent, use to represent different things, like <laughs> like different artists or you know different. Uh, so film every scores. time Tommy had sex, no, that wasn't happening. So Tommy, okay. were you really were you composing the score to your life? I don't want to agree to <laughs> he that. He was doing but, a yeah. soundtrack. He was doing I a was. soundtrack. I mean, he's what a, a film. Yeah. What a beautiful creative soul. Yeah. That's actually really sweet, Tommy. That's, that's actually that's 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 a cool thing that you have now. Well, my yeah. topic is based off of Thank you for sharing that, yeah. Tommy. Thank you all for sharing. <laughs> uh, my topic is Taylor Swift. And Taylor Swift knows we love her. that we grew up making these dang playlists. It went from vinyls where you couldn't compile individual songs together to tapes where you could and those were mixtapes and then it went digital and it became the playlist and now the year of our lord 2020 through 2021 
Taylor Swift has innovated a new version of music compilation that is beyond an album, beyond a vinyl, beyond a mixtape, beyond a playlist. And it is a chapter. So Taylor Swift released two albums called Folklore and Evermore. They were the beginning was released uh, in August of 2020. They were all don't fact me check me on that, but I think it's true. Our listeners won't. We're depending on it. Second one was in December, and they were both released during coronavirus. And this is a surprise. It was a surprise drop because uh, she just released Lover like a year before, and she usually does a a couple of years between her releases. She's released these two albums. They're fantastic. Um, but she's got to keep those streams up and she's got to keep talking to her fans. She's very good at interacting with her fans. She had a, a cardigan, custom made cardigan released. She has, I didn't look this much into it, but I think when you buy her vinyls, you buy certain versions of the vinyls that were staggered, sent out at different times. So you'd buy like different colors. Yeah. So, so she, she's very good at interacting with her fans. So they, she becomes a part of their, um, their everyday life. Mm-hmm. And what's important about these albums is folklore spent eight non non I can't talk eight non consecutive weeks as the number one album. Um, it was so good. Which oh wait, Evermore was. I don't know. If folklore is folklore has that, but I think Evermore has definitely broken records. But before that, 2016 Drake, the aforementioned Drake's views had six weeks at number one. Um, so she yeah. broke that record, and then um, it broke a uh, Guinness Book of World Records, which is weird that like Spotify wow. is in the Guinness Book of World Records, but. It broke the record for um, most number of streams an album had first day. It had it was streamed eighty million times oh, in no the first day that it was released. That was folklore. And then Evermore happened, and Evermore Damn. is not B sides. It's like a completely new album, and they both fe- they both have like a song that features Boney Bear. They both have like yeah, kind of like paralleled parallel journeys and stuff so we've got that there's like a song on folklore that is about her grandpa and then there's mm-hmm. a song yes. on evermore that's about her grandma and they're the same totally one. they're the same one on the list so whatever. people who listen to two albums are going to draw these parallels between them yeah and that's natural and she is capitalizing upon this and keeping her streams up no. by releasing these chapters no. so every single um the first one was in august Okay. So either the month, maybe it was the month after Folklore was dropped. That was her first chapter, and that was before Evermore got dropped, which was in December, and it was called The Escapism Chapter. It was dropped to celebrate the release of bonus track The Lakes on the deluxe version of the LP, which I think I've only listened to it once, and it's boring in my opinion. So um, Escapism has The Lakes. Tommy, you got this, Tommy. (laughs) Seven is a song about um, a friend that she had when she was seven. Okay. That's pretty on the nose. Nice job, Tay. Epiphany is the song about her grandfather who passed. Uh, 
No, it's oh, I was gonna say it's when she decides she wants to make pies out of people. Sweeney Todd. Mm-hmm. Oh, Epiphany. Uh-huh. And Cardigan is about uh a breakup. Mirror ball is about uh oh, I want you to know I'm a mirror ball. It's about her. It's about her at a party and she's just, just she's like got vibing. all these issues, but she's vibing. Yeah. yeah. And then Exile is the most boring song ever written. I don't even know what it is. You really don't like folklore, do you? No, no, I, I love folklore, but I hate the last two tracks of each album. They're both very boring to me. So anyways, these songs are about escapism. It's about vibing in the woods. Uh, next chapter is called Sleepless Nights. Um, that has exile, boring, hoax, boring. I mean, it's okay. It's boring. My tears so wait, wait, ricochet. What doing? So what are, sorry, Linnea, mm-hmm. I don't know what the chapters are. So the, are they her songs? No, they're the same yeah, exact so songs I'm, I'm, that are on the, she's making playlists <laughs> wait, of songs on songs. her album saying that they're a different chapter of the album is separated into these different right. parts. So she's basically saying like, these are the songs that I wrote. I see it as like, okay, she probably wrote all of these seven songs, like in the same month, about the kind of the same thing. So the Sleepless Nights chapter are probably about one relationship or one breakup. The next one okay. is called the Saltbox House chapter. And um, keep in mind, these chapters are all before her folklore or her evermore got evermore. released so this is just compiling right. chapters of uh, the same album into different orders and different yeah. songs but how long is the album See, it's how it's 11 songs isn't it maybe 13 so but then so for her so there's so, enough for three uh, chapters within the I, first yeah. album it looks like right yeah yeah so that's like four songs per. they use they use exile twice so it's kind of swapping them but so while i'm the mic so i'm I'm reading an article at the same time mm-hmm. as talking about this like trying to wrap my head around this what's confusing Why is she to doing me this? i don't get is it that she uh it it'd be one thing if like oh all the albums are part of a greater work and the chapters are like telling stories across the albums that then you can once they're yeah, all yeah, out yeah. you can go back and look back and be like oh okay so they this connected are to that they're oh, from they, different but albums, you were, Lynn? But you were saying that the chapters were only of the, the first album. Yes. So I'm going to continue, and then things will become clearer. As okay. Which is kind of Taylor Thank Swift's you, thing. She's like, I'm yeah. going to be really sneaky at first, and then it's all going to come once you've uh, paid attention to my PR uh, over the course of a year. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so she rewards loyalty. Saltbox House is that same first album it's about this house that she moved into where um it's a historical woman owns it before and um it's just about a house that she owns in i'm trying to remember where it's it's somewhere on the east coast Um, you just said st louis no she's from st the historical woman is from st louis it's she's it's I don't know. I don't know those New England states. Uh, anyways, okay. <laughs> so, we stop the chapter of only pulling from All folklore right. when the AACM, American Country Music 
uh, awards came out. Taylor Swift sang there. It's a big thing. She's back to country now. She's kind of, she used to, she like rejected country for years. Now she's kind of country folksy. Um, so she's back on that America. Right. Yeah. Now that America is back on country's side. Yes. She's on country's um, side. So now. she yeah. had a new one, which is, um, Oh my God, that's still, okay, so this is still pre-folklore. So she got, she rang four chapters out of that one album. And then, Ugh. so, okay, um, this one is called the Yeah, I Showed Up at Your Party chapter, which is a lyric from Betty. And it uh, features a live version of Betty, which is her most country song. The one, Mirrorball, The Last Great American Dynasty, Invisible String, and Cardigan. And you'll note that those songs have been used in other playlists. Okay, so now it comes to December. And yeah. we've got the new album, Folklore. Folklore. No, 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 Evermore. Oh, Evermore. Drops by surprise, right? I mean, I don't even know what has gone on during this pandemic, but in my mind, that was also dropped as a surprise. I have no idea. Um, so we have the chapter, Drop Your Hand While Dancing released a little bit after wow. folklore or evermore god the names okay so we have <laughs> champagne problems is a title track happiness yes so wait wait i i just need i have something that i need to say yes um and it's really important what the fuck is literally a lot of these I have never heard of Lover, Reputation. Okay, Lover is what happened right before this. So Lover was in 2019, 2000, I want to say 2020. Yeah. It was like... This says 2019. Yeah, okay. So Lover is um, her... She's going... There's like a million songs on it. She's going like synth poppy, kind of like that yeah, okay. low low vibes music like but then she's also got me which is the worst song ever written um right with uh the guy from panic at the disco and reputation uh w reputation was 2017 it was right after we graduated and reputation is in my opinion a defining album of her career and possibly her best work which many people will Fuck. fight me because she definitely appropriates um, black culture in that album. But also it has Ooh. some of... That's a good place to fight. <laughs> no, I, I mean, uh. I, I, I would fight. I would fight against that. But uh, but it also has some of the greatest bops, some of the greatest pop bops, almost like a Carly Rae Jepsen. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, the old Taylor Swift can't talk Come to Come to the right phone now. right now. Why? Why? Because she's... <laughs> Dead. No, 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 no. Tommy, <laughs> fill in the blank. Why? Because she's uh waiting for Kanye West to let her finish. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're supposed to say dead. Uh, but that's fine. Uh, okay. Okay. That's what okay. was your question, Melanie? Tommy, I could not have possibly understood what was going on either. <laughs> what, was, what was your What was your question, Melanie? My question was what the I, the, I it was <laughs> it was basically just me realizing that that. You know, and I'm and I'm good friends with you, Lynn. Mm -hmm. um, I I just assumed that, like, by proxy of knowing you, I just kind of knew all the Taylor Swift albums. And I, and my understanding was that you owned all of them, or at least had spoken of all of them at some point in our friendship. Mm -hmm. I I had no I had no knowledge of the album Lover, and that was something I had to like go through. 
I had Have to emotionally. To it? Is it what? What's the face? Is that a good face or a bad face? Do you like it? You're you're making like a, oh. a puppy dog like oh no. Oh, I just I love is it. Is it a hat? Is it go, oh, I love it. I was just that. I was in a relationship. She loves that. When I experienced that album, so it's tainted that listening. So like you can't listen to it anymore. No, I can listen to it. I just when I listen to it and I listen to songs, I say, "Wow, I used to feel that way." While in a relationship, listening to the song, and now okay, I got you. You know what I mean. But anyways, yeah. uh, okay. So last two that have been released. One was "Drop Your Hand While Dancing," um, "Champagne Problems," "Happiness," which is the best breakup song ever written. Uh, "Champagne Problems" is the best <laughs> uh, breakup song ever written. Yes, "Happiness" is actually so it's fine. Uh, Just I, for me, for me, it's the happiness for me. Um, it's time to go, which. I don't know that song. I, I'm assuming it's a bonus track, but it might actually just be a totally new song. Tolerate it, which is – it's fine. Uh, Coney Island. I like it. I, I don't like Coney she Island. Tolerated. And Hoax. I, again, famously, I hate Hoax because <laughs> it's been brought up famously. in all of these. Um, Linnea, you can't talk about Taylor Swift anymore. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> no, okay. I have one more. I have one more. I can't see your faces because I'm looking at the track lists, but I, I'm sure you look <laughs> like you're witnessing chaos. Okay, so this is this is the last one that was released five days ago. It's called Forever is the Sweetest Con. And you guys, this is the best song ever written. It's the best country song ever written. It is the best Taylor Swift song ever written. I will argue Cowboy Like Me is the best song Taylor Swift has ever written. It is a bringing her back to her roots. It is bringing her to the purest form of songwriting. It is bringing her to these basic courses, bringing her to the piano. It is bringing her to old Hollywood, which she loves. And that is why she is relishing in the drama of these playlists and these PR stunts, because she is, she is the 21st century Marilyn Monroe when it comes to publicity what no so marilyn monroe <laughs> she like had her finger wrapped around the hollywood publicity circuit and she knew how to finesse her her view of the public and taylor swift does that perfectly she sets up so is she is she um but anyways forever in the forever is, i'm just gonna Say say the track list of this, and then and then we can stop or whatever. Okay, okay, okay. Forever the Sweetest Con has Cowboy Like Me, Mirror Ball, Evermore, good song, Bonnie Vare song, Long Story Short, bad song, Invisible String, good song, and Willow, good song, good song. Willow's a very good song. So I have a, yeah. Um, so I have a question. So what's <clears throat> the point? So is she? Yes. Is, <laughs> <laughs> I just I just minimized See, the I window love, and came back to Tommy's face and he looked I, like he's not, just been beaten. I'm not by gonna disagree the with the assertion that she is a modern Marilyn Monroe of marketing because like she does seem very good at marketing and keeping herself relevant after you know making music yep. for this long she's yep. still like this she's big. still hella stream um, yeah it's interesting to see how long she thinks she wants to go but it seems like, like is the she chapters... looking for beyonce or is she trying to go farther is she trying to jay-z it i think she's I trying question, to hollywood are, star it are are the chapters not 
so so they they don't bridge across albums they're just within each album a clump of songs that they're like acts they did the until the right? second album came out until, and yeah. then they bridge oh um, so the last okay. two playlists have bridged albums that. okay okay got okay so and then what does this all mean what's gonna happen because of this it just keeps you thinking about Taylor Swift. It just keeps you thinking no, about Taylor Swift me because there's always a fucking thing. It 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 it's gonna it's it's gonna it's something. Is it's, it is? Are you saying the, what she denied that there's a third album? It's not anything. It's just I honestly think the fact that she said there's no third album means there's a third album. That's how Taylor works. <laughs> I just think that she's a PR genius, and this is just a way to keep streams up. I and agree. she. She ex- she thinks that her fans expect her to drop all of these like surprise things, and I think she's keeping the fans at bay who are like now really like oh Taylor Swift she's gonna drop surprise things all the time. She's keeping them at bay by being like mm-hmm. hey guys here's content. Like it's not much, but like you're the playlist generation. I love playlists. This is how I thought about my and album. Whatever, yeah, whatever bit she drops will still give them we'll eat it. ammo to feed yeah. on like oh well maybe maybe this means something maybe there's something to read into here that's true and it's got me doing that and i'm a very new fan yeah and and people will with these playlists they'll be like oh it's this one's about harry styles this one's about right da, 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 da. she really wants us to do exactly. that which is like now that she's it's she's she's genius people think she also might actually be married I don't like saying genius, Lynn. I think you should stop using that word for her. I think she's a genius, and I will never stop. <laughs> I think we should stop using it. It really makes me uncomfortable. I don't like it. I'll say smart. I think that she saw what celebrities have done in the past with marketing. And she, she figured out what works. Slash she and her team that she's paid a lot of and money for have yeah. been able to reinvent the wheel when it comes to being in control of their own marketing. Very true. And to me, that is genius. The only thing that I wouldn't listen to is whatever you talked about last week. Because that was the most boring thing I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I think it was. It was a really good history. I just couldn't understand it in the moment. I was like, not there. Uh, So this week... I have a topic that it's probably not the most important, probably not the most hot button thing, but uh, then why like are kind you talking a... about it? I know, right? Like, why are we doing any of this? Why fuck all of it? Uh, no, it was kind of a s- slow news week. Um, there was stuff from Sundance coming out that was Ooh. I was reading reviews about, and I was sad that I couldn't see those movies because they sounded good. Uh, GameStop. No, I'm just kidding. It's not GameStop. <laughs> That's what in the intro I was like. I feel like something like really big happened this week, but I f- totally forget what it is, and I'm glad that I forgot about it. Uh, I don't know enough about GameStop to talk about it at length, but I might be buying it anyway. But that Tommy, aside, Tommy, don't do that. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, we should go that. back and not. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> Why are you doing it? There's no reason for you to. You shouldn't do it. I'm not. Listen, I've gone from a long path of uh, being skeptic and uh, pessimistic about it 
at the start of this week. You're taking too long. You already took, that's what, that's what I'm saying is that it's a long path. You took too long. (laughs) It's too late. It's too late. But it's so low right now. It's got to go up. It's It's not going up, Tommy. It's not. (laughs) And that's why we're all going to buy and we're all going to hold. And that's not what I'm talking about this week anyway. My topic for this week concerns uh, a sequel to Cloverfield, which was announced (gasps) to be greenlit. I have a question. Now, wait, there's already a uh, there's already a sequel to Cloverfield. This is true. There are already two sequels to Cloverfield, but this one is intended to be a direct sequel to the first one in that it's actually going to be following after those events, whereas the other two were like spiritual successors that were kind of playing with the idea of being in the same (laughs) universe, but not like direct follow-ups. All right. And the, the idea for the sequel... It, it also seems like it's going to be not from a found footage perspective, people are saying in the reports. Cloverfield, Lady Liberty's on front, right? Uh, is that yeah, it? Is that what it's true. called? That's all I know. No, uh, she's talking about the poster. I thought the yeah. title was Lady Liberty's on front. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Lady Liberty's on front no, and we've got a greenish color pattern that's all yeah, i know yeah, about yeah, cloverfield yeah, yeah. She, yeah that's the title head ripped off uh in that yeah. yeah i don't like those types of movies they're too scary it's apocalyptic so yeah i don't like it when the world ends i'd like it to keep going please so i'm gonna guess that neither of you have seen uh any of the cloverfield movies Fuck no that's too scary no. for me but i'd love to talk about star- it do you still you could still talk about star wars <laughs> do you want to change your topic <laughs> no i'm still gonna <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm still good. I'm barging ahead. I, uh, I'm not really big into horror either. Like, and the only reason... It's not a horror movie. It's an apocalypse movie. And I really don't think that you should no. conflate those two. Well, it's okay. It's like a disaster movie. It's not an apocalypse. It's a disaster. Yes, you can have that. Yeah, it's kind of like a monster, like, disaster thriller, you yeah. could say. And I think that's why... It interested me more uh, because that's like, yeah, a few degrees away from typical horror, which I'm not really a fan of. Real horror Um, happens in an old English home in the countryside, and there's no other type of horror. Oh, okay. Anyway, the reason Cloverfield was kind of cool to me as a middle schooler when it came out was the marketing and the way it was kind of like an event film is Mm -hmm. why I want to talk about it and why I want to talk about uh, its successors and how like that style of marketing where it creates hype and mystery around something. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily rely on an established franchise or star power. And this is my hope that more releases could use this kind of like intrigue hype marketing to Mm -hmm. make releases cool and stand out is their casting like no stars are they are they like we're showing the real world we're showing the real america so we're not gonna have any stars because you're gonna see yourself in that it's just your average joe yeah the first cloverfield uh had I think they were they were either unknowns or like TV. They'd only done a mm-hmm, few mm-hmm. projects. They were pretty much unknowns. And in the later movies, they started cast like 
few more known actors and i think it became a little less appealing for that reason because mm. it's like oh it's um were they flopping a little bit the first cloverfield was mostly unknowns then the second one was uh mary elizabeth winstead and okay. um she's I don't know like that is. just she's uh She's Abraham Lincoln's wife and Abraham Lincoln monster killer. He's vampire hunter. Vampire slayer. She is. Vampire hunter. You're right. Yeah. And she's blue haired girl in Scott Pilgrim. Maybe, so Linnea, you remember the Statue of Liberty's head being blown off, even though you've not seen the movie, right? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So the reason you might uh, recall that is because the teaser was really innovative for trailers at the time because it didn't have the title attached to it. It was just found footage like, hey, 20-somethings, New Yorkers uh, hanging out at a party, uh, this guy's going away party. And then um, they go up to the roof because they hear an explosion and there's like shit on the news of like an explosion outside of the city. And then they go up there and they see a big one off in the horizon and then they're running through the apartment building trying to get down to the street and like it's all shaky cam and it's super stressful and they get onto the street and the Statue of Liberty's head flies off out of the horizon and lands in the street beside them. And then it drops the date the movie's coming out. That's actually lit. Okay. So That's actually really cool. Yeah. I remember seeing that and it was attached to Transformers. So like everybody, it was like one of the like biggest every, Literally everybody saw that trailer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing that and thinking like, what the fuck? Like what is this like i feel like that was so much more effective than if they had done a normal narrative trailer or like even told you it was a monster movie you just had an idea that like okay you heard a monster but it was just an explosion yeah and who project knows? x also came out um same time as that stuff that was a few years later actually that is another I think that movie sucked. I haven't seen it. I really want to see it. Jeez. So don't ruin this for me. I really want <laughs> to see this stupid, movie. Like teen party yeah, movie. <laughs> I love teen party movies. I it's so All cool right, when teens party. I fair did enough. It. <laughs> I still believe it's real. I still believe that that stuff really happened and I missed out. No. It was worse super bad. Did they keep up with anyway, the same uh advertising once people already knew the brand? For the subsequent films. So that's, yeah. So going into the next one, 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, oh, they did announced you see that it. Line? I didn't see it, but I remember the name. They announced it. I have a it, photographic like, memory of DVDs that I saw at the movie store for like that's my entire life. <laughs> perfect. I love you for that. They announced it three months out from when it was going to come out. So it was like a surprise, like, whoa, fuck. Like, this is another Cloverfield and like we don't know anything except that it's these three characters in a bunker and seems like some shit is going on. Some apocalyptic sh shit is going on up there. So like they were thinking maybe it's right after Cloverfield. Maybe it's uh, not, you know, who knows? And um, so I thought that was like another cool way of setting that movie up, even though, you know, it wasn't like exactly the same type of hype i don't know the other thing with these movies is that there's a whole which i was less engaged in but i know exists is there was a whole online alternate reality game like hey go to this website that is based off the brand of uh, a product in the first cloverfield that's like spotted in a couple shots and then you go there and there's like 
leads you can follow to this company, which may or may not have been involved with like accidentally unearthing the monster, which is something that the movie doesn't get into at all. But it's just like this lore. And they talk about uh, I was reading the wiki and the producers talked about how they kind of wanted to make this like rabbit hole, this like bed of information that you could know before going into the movie, but it wouldn't be like a prerequisite. It would just be like another layer of context that you could view everything through. So they were trying to artificially create a cult following for this is what it feels yeah. like. Before yeah, it had a cult following kind before, of. Before, yeah, before it was it like Blair had. Witch but in reverse. Yes. So you said it's the only time a proper sequel has happened is happening now. What is this whole succession? What is the tie line between these movies and can you compare it to a different franchises? tie line or do you think nobody has done this before like is it like every single movie has a monster is it like fucking true detective where it's like <laughs> totally different stories but kind of yeah you know it's uh see before they announced this sequel quote-unquote i would have said yeah it's an anthology it's like true detective it's like because the first one was one thing the second one was another thing like mm -hmm. they the the reveal in that movie is that it's aliens it's not even like related to the monster in any way and then in the third movie which is the cloverfield paradox i don't know if either of you remember that. that that was announced during the super bowl okay. it was announced and like dropped on netflix that day and that was I it like good was like, dropped okay, on netflix or like you dropped like, it on netflix oh, you yeah you dropped okay. it you dropped a turd and uh hoped we would all smell it just because <laughs> you told everyone to on the day of the super bowl huh uh so that was really like excel like they kind of just accelerated the hype game that they'd been playing with the previous two movies to like it's inevitable conclusion i guess is like well okay you're gonna tease something six months out you're gonna tease it three months out we're gonna tease it the day of and uh turns out it didn't really work uh for that one it might have worked if the movie was good but i think that part of the strength of the previous two was that they gave people some time to digest and kind of speculate about what the fuck was going on in these movies so i wouldn't really compare it to anything else i think it's kind of unique in that way uh but it's not like is it unique like or is it all over the place def both yeah okay. and this I, is their I fourth mean, movie so that feels like it actually kind of yeah tracks feels yeah. pretty par for the course it's a fourth sequel i mean yeah shrek who, ever after who knows thanks for bringing up shrek and this uh, spirited discussion uh <laughs> <laughs> just derail my brain with <laughs> or Lion King one and a half it's just like these oh Lion King one and a half is probably the best movie ever made Raven Simonia actually did a song for that I can dig it you can dig it we can dig it you know what I don't know where this segment is going okay I'm interested I, I in, in the I... actual one that's coming out I'm interested okay. how yeah, they're I mean... like doing an anthology and then they just pivot to be like wait yeah here's and then they're like, well never mind yeah I I can't imagine that it'll be good, especially that they're like not able to keep it a secret this time this far out. Like, I don't know. It's quarantine. How did they not keep it a secret? 
in conclusion so yeah obviously like surprise releases and generating hype like going back to um Blair Witch Project where you try to pretend that everything's real and like use unknowns and create this kind of lore um even gimmicks um going back to uh Psycho the idea uh he promoted with that film's marketing of like keep the twist a secret so it was it was like a it was like a crazy thing to not tell people the twist in your movie at that point that was like a wild thing to do yeah why yeah, would you give well, away the yeah, exactly. ending? Exactly. It's, I mean, well, it's well, not the ending. It's like halfway through the movie. So, it's true. Yeah, and to kill the main character of a story is such a oh yeah, uh, that's true. Innovative thing. Um, but yeah, and the idea of like don't admit anyone to the film once it started. Like you have to be there for the whole thing, experience the whole thing, and so pulling that all the way forward to now, there's, I feel like people are so much. There's like such an evolved culture around like spoilers and hype and like how you market and present and set up people's expectations for a movie uh to make it interesting i feel like at least my hope is that more people are able to do that for films without like because when you think of uh what are event movies nowadays quote unquote uh it's infinity war it's Endgame, and cats all it's sure it's it's i mean it i actually do mean that because it it is a movie that like had a historic significance i mean people will think about cats in the future inadvertently yeah yeah cats sure did have a cultural resonance so i do actually feel like i stand by that how even this is a stupid example to end it on but even how borat 2 Tommy, yes. we can let's talk about Borat 2. We've got 30 more minutes. We'll talk about Borat 2. <laughs> I just changed my topic. It's Borat 2. I freaking loved Borat 2. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't know if there's much to discuss because I feel like we all liked it, right? I loved it. Right? <laughs> Melanie, Melanie, did you, did you see not Borat 2? I didn't see that movie. Is it new? Yeah, well, it's, it's on Amazon Prime, but it's excellent. It's so It's very, very good. It's funny. It is yeah. journalism. It's funny. Yeah. No, it's for real. It's journalism. Like he, he records two really fucked up things, including two. Yeah. <laughs> I'd a say many protest more, yeah. or a bunch of patriots in Olympia where they're all carrying guns. Yeah. Our hometown. Yeah. We all live in Olympia together. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> no. We live in a really cool commune Segment. together. All three of us. Segment over. It's extreme ways, not separate ways. Oh, I do like this song. I'm gonna skip ahead. That was the podcast. See you next week, everybody. We're gonna get demonetized for Tommy, this. Tommy, I'm the host. Oh, Linnea, sign us off. Tommy, I'm the host. Linnea, sign us off. Stop playing Moby. <laughs> sign us off. No Moby. Keep going. I won't sign off with Moby playing. Turn it down! Take my-